Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Kindly turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 3. John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 3. Our Heavenly Father, we approach your holy word with reverence and humility, giving you thanks for sending to us the living word. We thank you for this written word that unveils to us the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we study your word, dear Father God, we as an act of our will choose to be attentive, will not be distracted. Our hearts are receptive, our minds are open, our ears are open to hear. And we know that the Holy Ghost is our teacher. And therefore, Spirit of the living God, we give place to you. Teach us, lead us, guide us, direct us into everything and all that is true. That our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God and the resurrected Christ. Thank you, Father God, for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we look at that scripture in John 3, 3, let me just state that in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, the Apostle Paul said, one of the signs of the latter days would be that men would be ever learning and never coming into the knowledge of the truth. Men would be ever learning and never coming unto the knowledge of the truth. And what he was referring to was resultless study. An activity without progress. Be like a chemist doing all his experiments on a day-by-day basis, yet never checking the results. Be just like a captain of a ship setting out to sea and sailing and just making a big, large circle. Circling about, never getting anywhere. Be just like some weary traveler out there just... Out there on the highway without any destination. No place to call home. No place to stop and stay and accomplish anything. He is saying that we can become ever learning. Gaining all kinds of knowledge. All kinds of activity taking place in our our learning faculties. Yet never arriving at truth. Never experiencing reality. With God. If I can say there'll be an emphasis throughout the rest of this year, it would be on this. We don't want to become complacent or stagnant. We want to see to it that we go forward and make great strides in spiritual progress, spiritual growth, and spiritual development. We don't want to be among those who are ever learning and yet never coming under the knowledge of the truth. Those who are always striving but never arriving. We want to see to it that this year, by the end of this year, we have made spiritual progress. That we are experiencing more reality with God than we ever did before. In different areas of our lives. 
You see, for this to be accomplished within our lives, we must recognize that we need something more than just knowledge. Knowledge is nothing more than accumulation of facts. We need to have understanding, which is perception of facts, of knowledge. We must be able to perceive the things that we learn. But it still will not be accomplished with understanding alone. We need wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply our perception of the facts of knowledge to our lives. The ability to apply truths. We don't want these facts of knowledge to be detached from our lives. We want them to become a vital part of our makeup. So that we grow and that we develop in God. We don't want to be among those that are ever learning, yet never coming into the knowledge of the truth. Never experiencing reality with God. We have a lot of head knowledge, but we have no reality. We do not want to educate our heads at the expense of our hearts. We want to make contact with God in such a powerful way that His influence takes over our lives. That we walk in the reality of the truth. And a very simple way to illustrate that is this. I don't want to just know that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I want the pain to leave my body. I don't want to know that I'm prosperous in Jesus and He bore the curse of poverty for me. That's not enough. I want to be able to pay the heat bill. That's reality. I don't want to know that His love has been imparted to my spirit. I want to be able to love my enemy in reality. I want to love my brother and sister as I ought to. I owe it to Him to do so. I want to be able to control my emotions and anger and everything else that we possess in this outer man. I don't want to know that death and life are in the power of the tongue only. I want to see to it that I grow in the area of watching my words and weighing my words, speaking right words at right times. A word spoken in due season, how good it is. A soft answer will turn away wrath, but grievous words will stir up anger. It's not enough just to have the facts of knowledge. It's not enough just to know these things. It is important to be able to apply these things to our lives. And I would suggest that each and every one of us make a, a fresh dedication and commitment to see to it that we're not just like that captain of the ship out there on the sea sailing about in a circle or that traveler out there on the road with no place of destination. We see to it that we are doing a self-examination, we see to it that we discover whether or not we are growing in areas of faith and love. And we can only do that for ourselves. I can do that for myself and you can do that for yourself. Why? Because we don't want to be numbered among those who are ever learning and never coming into the knowledge of the truth. We want reality with God. We want to experience these things in reality in our lives. 
And so I'm going to share with us some fundamental conditions for profitable Bible study so that we can be pointed in the right direction and so that we can see to it that we are not just ever learning, but we are arriving. We are experiencing reality. We are walking intimately with our Father God. And the light is shining from our lives. In this particular scripture in John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 3, we have our first fundamental condition for profitable Bible study. Number one. We must be born again in order to obtain spiritual discernment. We must be born again in order to obtain spiritual understanding or discernment. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot discern. He cannot perceive. He cannot enter into. He cannot fully understand or appreciate the operation of the kingdom of God without being born again. Unless a man has been regenerated within his spirit, he does not have the ability to understand the operation of God's kingdom. He cannot know God apart from spiritual union and contact. He cannot understand God's ways or methods or means without having spiritual union or contact. He cannot begin to perceive uh, the purposes and the will of God without having spiritual contact or union with God. The Bible is a spiritual book. The Bible is not just a book of intellect. The Bible is a spiritual book. Jesus says, my words that I speak are spirit and they are life. The Bible is a book of words And words are containers of spiritual life. They have potential to impart to our spirit lives the very life and the nature and the ability and the wisdom of the living God. But that activity or act takes place not within our minds. It takes place deep within our hearts. See, if it was only a matter of learning, beloved, we'd all be spiritual giants right now, right here today, would we not? We know what the Bible says. It's not enough to know what the Bible says. We must take it one step further, one step deeper, if you will. We must come into spiritual contact, union, and communion with Him so as to make the Word a living entity, a living reality within our spirits, so that it produces the life and the nature of God in us and through us. But in order for this to be achieved or accomplished, one must be born again. Because as Jesus says, not only can we not get into the kingdom of God, we cannot perceive it. We cannot see it. We can't see in that realm. We can't recognize it. We can't understand its operation. See, because man is lying in darkness. So number one, if you're born again, if you're a child of God, that's step number one. You can begin to perceive and recognize and understand the operation of God's kingdom as it is revealed to us through the Word. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11.
For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know, that we might come into knowledge of, that we may experience reality with. With what? The things that are freely given to us of God. How are we going to know these things? Well, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We receive the Spirit, not of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why? So that we would know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The natural man is without spiritual understanding or discernment. Look at verse 13. Without, or which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned or perceived. Now it's a tragic thing, beloved. But do you know that many in seminary institutions throughout this United States of America are not born again? But they are well taught, well learned in Hebrew and Greek. And therefore, believed to be qualified to teach theology. And they can offer all kinds of facts of knowledge that pertain to this book, the Bible, the Word of the Living God. But even though they've got degrees and all this education, they're still not qualified to teach truth. I sat with one at a Bible study one day. And this fellow was busy imparting all this knowledge that he had gained in his studies to this group of people. And after a period of time, he asked for questions, which was his first mistake. Because the first thing I asked was, I didn't refer to anything he was teaching on. I just said, excuse me, may I ask you this question? He said, anything. Are you born again? And he looked at me just like I'm looking at you. Then he put his foot in his mouth because he said, that's not in the Bible. Now, all these people that he's teaching, and I didn't really do that. I was just young in the Lord. I didn't use a whole lot of wisdom, but I just did what I had. You know, what could I say? I, I, I just was a young babe in Christ and I just did it. Because I was concerned about the people that were there. I actually went there to learn. Don't get me wrong. My intention was not to go there and to cause a disturbance. But I was invited to go there because someone thought this person was such an excellent teacher. But never took it upon herself to decide to determine whether or not this person was born again. Who was teaching them that Bible study. And that was the only question I asked. And, of course, I said, would you please open your Bible then to John 3, 3 and read it for all of us? And, of course, he read it with the sick look. You know what the sick look is? Smiling with the sick look. <laughs> it was in there, and, of course, that just did it. The whole Bible study was ruined, you know, as far as that night was concerned. But I said that to point out the fact that people can be deceived. Here's this person giving all this supposed wealth of, of knowledge. But of all the things that he was teaching were really not spiritual. 
Things were not spiritual that were being imparted. Just facts of knowledge. Anybody can teach facts of knowledge. Beloved, you know that slips in, into our circles too. There's such an emphasis in the teaching ministry. There is such an emphasis placed on the Hebrew and the Greek that people began to think they had to be some kind of a Hebrew or Greek scholar and walk around with a big strong concordance everywhere they go to have any kind of reality with God. Now, I am not minimizing, you know, education. But what I am saying is this. Don't be one of those who educates your mind at the expense of your heart. Because when you need to drive the power of the devil and the power of sickness and disease out of your body, your intellect is not going to be enough to do it. There must be spiritual contact and the power of the living God, beloved, in operation and manifestation. Otherwise, you will not have success in driving out the works of darkness. Jesus didn't call us to be theologians. He's called us to be disciples. So let's not get caught up with that spirit that exists Ever learning, but never arriving at the truth. Constantly exercising yourself and expending energy, but yet no progress being made. Can anyone relate to that this morning? We've done this, 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 and it seems like we're still on that ship going around in a circle, not gone any further down the road. Not making one step toward our destination. Then if that is true in your life, then realize this. You've got caught up in that. There's a lot of activity going on. But you see, you've been misdirected and misguided. Don't get caught off on these tangents. Don't get distracted from the proper course of action. You get back on the right road and realize that your God is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he wants to transform your life by the power of his word and spirit. You begin to realize what's most important is not all the facts of knowledge, but how much reality do you possess in God? And begin to make your bold confession of faith that what God did in, in Jesus for you is becoming a reality in your life. It may, may not be fun as far as, you know, gaining more insights and, and, and all these different things as far as outside things are concerned. But, beloved, I guarantee you it'll revolutionize your entire life. It'll do more things for you than, than you can possibly imagine. Let's get back to realizing that it's important for us to experience reality with God. I want to talk about, just talk about the things of God. I want to have them in reality in my life. I don't want to just talk about getting people saved. I want to get out there and get them saved, born again and washed in the blood. I don't want to talk about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. I want to see to it that people get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues and experience the power of the living God in their lives. We want reality. So number one, we must be born again. We must have contact in our spirit with the living God because it is the Spirit of God that causes reality to come to our lives. And so this book is a spiritual book. We're never going to be able to understand it with our intellect alone. And although we thank God for all those that have, you know, put forth all the energy and effort to find a lot of these things, it's still not pertinent to their lives. It's, it's not something that, that is experienced in their own lives, just like His. And my prayer, of course, was that this person would become born again, and then all the things He was teaching that were just facts of knowledge, they'd be reality in His life. See? That's what we're talking about. So let's not put the emphasis on the Greek and the Hebrew and just learning. Let me illustrate that. We have taught here many times 
on the different types of love. We have stated that the Greek is a, is a more precise language, and we said that it, it reveals to us certain things we need to know about love. We have given the different Greek words for love, eros, which is the lowest type of all love, and which is a sexual attraction, a physical something, which is the lowest form. It's an erotic type of love, and that's, that's the lowest of, of, of love. We talked about storge, which is compatibility. Likes and dislikes. You know, we, we can, we're compatible with one another. And we explained all that in detail. We talked about phileo, which is the highest form of natural human love. We gave that Greek word. We defined it. We said what it's all, what it's all about. We said that it's responsive. You know, you love me, I'll love you. You hate me, I'll hate you. You holler at me, I'll holler at you. You talk nice to me, I'll talk nice to you. Amen. That's what it's all about. And we explained that in full detail. Then we talked about agape, which is the love of God. God's divine love. It's, it's aggressive. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter what a person does. It just continues to love. Love your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself. Just love. And we talked about that kind of love that is the proper kind of love, the love that should really govern our lives. Well, what good is it to know the terms? What good is it to be able to find the meaning if we're not walking in the reality of it or in the light of it? Let's not just be satisfied with knowing what the Greek words mean is what I'm saying. That's not enough. And if we found ourselves to be satisfied, then what we end up having within our lives is really hypocrisy. We know what it says, but we're not doers of it. And beloved, more than anything else, this is what we need to do is make a break from that. I want to be the doer of God's Word. I don't want to just know what it says. I want to experience the reality of the truth. I want to be that person that loves the way God loves. I want to love my neighbor. I want to love my enemy. I want to demonstrate that in my life. I want that to be a part of my makeup and my character and my being. If I am not growing in that, that knowledge hasn't done me much good yet. I'm still going about in a circle. I'm still a weary traveler. I'm not arriving at anything. I'm not making any progress. If I'm, if I'm going from here to California, I should at least be halfway there by a certain time. If I'm still in Pennsylvania, my goodness, something is wrong. Let's wake up. I should wake up and realize I'm not getting anywhere. Well, we don't want to get that way in God. We don't want to be that way in God. We don't want to remain that way in God. We want to be further down the road. And if that's not happening, I'm just saying this morning, let's all wake up and say, wait a minute, all these things that we have learned must be applied. It's time to realize we've learned these things now. The truth is not going to change. There's nothing new under the sun. Jesus bore our sickness. Jesus carried our pains. Jesus bore our sins. He bore our mental anguish. That's not going to change. God's love has been shed abroad in our heart by the Spirit, right? That's not going to change. We have the Holy Ghost of power. That's not going to change. We have a name that's above every other name. That's not going to change. What's going to change? We are. Are we further down the road in the operation of these things? Or are we still going around in a circle, ever learning, but never experiencing? You ready to stretch yourself? Are you ready to stretch yourself? Oh, do you know if there's no pain, there's no gain, they say. Are you ready for some pain? Good pain. When I played ball, we had a fellow here. Oh, this, this bless his heart. Just bless his heart. Starting fullback. Starting fullback on the team in high school. And it seemed like every year around the, the, the second week of August... 
he made a decision that he wasn't going to be on the football team. Well, you know why? Because training camp started the third week. And so he makes this decision that he's not going to play ball because he doesn't want to go through the double sessions in the heat and the pain and all that. Well, all of a sudden, after double sessions are all over, this fellow has a change of attitude in mind. I now want to be a part of the football team. And, of course, we had our meeting and we got ourselves together to vote on whether or not we, sh- we should allow him to play. We knew what he was doing. It's just the type of person that he was. We're not going to get ahead that way when it comes to spiritual things. We're going to have to put forth the effort and the energy and the activity that is required of us. There's going to be pain, yes. Why? Because every time we grow in love, we grow out of selfishness and self-will. That's why. And when that happens, there's pain. Because this outward man of ours does not want to change. It wants to be selfish, self-centered, and self-willed, not selfless. And so we have to realize that we've got to do something to see to it that we make strides and we make progress and we go forward in God. Are you ready to do that with me this year? Are we getting further down the road in God this year? Are we going to more walk in the agape divine love of the living God? Are we going to watch our words more than we ever have before and see to it that, that we're putting gossip aside from us and evil speaking away from us and, and foolish speaking and vain speaking and, and, and useless words, idle words that are non-productive, words that violate the principles of the kingdom of the living God, words that open up the door to darkness and the powers of evil? We're going to start speaking words that will set the course of our life for righteousness and for truth and for health and for healing and prosperity and everything that God has provided for us? Are we going to use our words aright? Are we going to begin to do that in a greater, more powerful way? Amen. Then there's going to be pain in it because the tongue wants to do its own thing. Did you ever notice that? The tongue wants to do its own thing and it's full of deadly poison and evil. The Bible says it wants to do its own thing. It does, doesn't it? See, we've got to do something about putting that bridle there in our mouths. We've got to be the ones to take control by the power of God by putting His Word in our mouths and getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. And yes, there's going to be pain if we're going to have gain in that area of our lives. You'll find yourself really biting down hard so as not to speak the wrong thing. Well, these things aren't going to change, beloved. How many of you know that we're growing older? How many know the outward man is perishing? How many of you know that? Are you awake this morning? Time is going on. Did you know that? These truths will not change. If Jesus tarries and we're gone from this problem, they're not going to change. And and people live here for another thousand years. It's not going to change. The message will be going forth. People will still be teaching and preaching. You've got to walk in the love of God. You've got to walk in the power of the Spirit. The Word has got to be first place in your life. You can't understand it with your intellect. You have to understand it with your, with your spiritual understanding by the power of the Holy Ghost. They'll be teaching that and preaching that. The same truths that we have heard, are hearing today, they've been taught way back since, way back since Jesus walked upon the earth. He taught the same truths and principles. It's not going to change. But are we going to change is the big question here this morning. Are we going to align ourselves more accurately with what we know to be truth? Or will we just be ever learning and never arriving? No. Mark yourself as being one who is going to grow and make spiritual progress. I'm going to apply myself in a greater way to see to it 
that these truths are realized in my life. I will have spiritual understanding and discernment. I'll walk in the reality of the Word of God. Number two. Number two. Fundamental condition for profitable Bible study. How am I going to benefit from my study of God's Word? Number two. We must possess a strong appetite and desire for the Word of God. A strong heart hunger, in other words, for the Word of God and for truth. This is something that is not given, that we can't give to one another. But it's something that must be possessed if we are going to benefit and profit from the Word of the living God. We must possess a strong yearning desire, a deep spiritual appetite and hunger for truth. 1 Peter 2.2 is the scripture. First Peter chapter two and verse two. Verse one says, Wherefore laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow. Notice this that she may grow. Without a strong desire, without a deep spiritual hunger for the Word of God, people will not grow up spiritually. They will not develop spiritually. You have a newborn baby and you don't give that baby the milk that is necessary or that is needful for growth and development. That child will not grow and develop. We understand that because we can relate to physical things and natural things. But, beloved, the same truth applies to us spiritually. If I do not possess a heart hunger for the Word of the living God, my spiritual growth will be impaired. If we find ourselves after five years of being a believer and we don't have that heart hunger that we once had, realize there is something definitely wrong with us spiritually. Why? Because hunger is a natural thing. I do not have to tell you to be hungry every day. I don't have to preach in this pulpit. Now, people of God, tomorrow is Monday. I want you to eat. You need to be super hungry. You need to really desire to have a big old steak tomorrow. I mean, not just a little bit, a big steak. Get a big appetite. I'm telling you, don't let the day go by without getting yourself some good food in you. I wouldn't have to preach that. Are you kidding me? Are you serious this morning? Why would I have to preach that? You had four meals while I was saying that. You stopped at a red light and picked out a Twinkie out of your pocketbook or something. I don't know. Don't have to tell you to eat. We don't have to preach eating to anybody. It's there. It's in us. We want it. And if you don't give it to your body, it'll begin to holler at you and tell you to do it. Right? Heavens. But when it comes to spiritual things, isn't it the same? As a newborn baby desires sincere milk, see to it that you desire the sincere milk of the Word of the living God that you may grow up. Why then do we have to preach and teach it? Didn't Jeremiah say in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, 
Your words were found, and I did eat them. And they were unto me, thy word was unto me, the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, because I'm called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. That's what he said. I've been born again. How do I get this? If you're born again, there's life. If there's life, there's hunger. I don't know anybody alive that doesn't get hungry. Do you? Where there's life, there's hunger. Where there's... That's the truth. Get a hold of that nugget. Where there's life, there's hunger. And if I've been born again, there's the life of God. If there's the life of God, there has to be spiritual hunger somewhere in there. When I first got saved, you could not keep me away from the Word of God. I was hungry for the Word of God. I wanted to know. I wanted to eat it, drink it, sleep it, walk with it and everything, take it with me everywhere I go. I still take it with me everywhere I go. I need to have the Word of God. I want to know the Word of God. And there's that deep spiritual hunger. If we are going to benefit from the Word of God, we must still have that hunger. Those that hunger and thirst are those that are going to be filled. See how this thing works? If there's not that hunger and not that desire, God does not push things over onto us. He does not make us want these things. He offers them to us. Well, you think about this. You ever get a couple of people together, get a group of people together and put them in a room and say, we're now going to come here and we're going to pray? Did you notice if you put them in the same room and then afterwards we're going to have some fellowship and some food? And if you set that table full of food with all the desserts and all the trimmings and everything else, and say, we're going to pray in this same room for about an hour and a half before we eat that food. You might as well forget it. You might as well forget it. Forget it. Eat first, then pray. Everybody be their minds be occupied on that. Thinking about that, smelling the food, wanting the food and all that. See, that's a natural thing. That table's been set. How many of you know that God set a table before us in the presence of our enemies? How many of you know that it's right here? We've got the milk of the Word of God. We've got the meat of the Word of God. We've got the oil, Holy Ghost, for the salad. Amen. Holy oil. Don't we? We've got the bread of life. Think about it. We've got water. If you're thirsty, we've got water. Life-giving water. Not just natural water. Do you see the analogy there? We should have a stronger desire. What did Job say about it? About the Word of God. I consider His Word to be more than my necessary bread. I esteem it higher than my necessary bread. And see, and if we can just get a hold of a desire inside of us for the Word of God like we do to eat natural in the natural, dear God, we'd all be spiritual giants. Amen. Because, you see, that's when the impartation of truth comes. It's when you so desire it, God sees that we desire it, He fills you to overflowing. Oh, glory to God. He fills us to overflowing with it. And so it's important that we realize our responsibility to develop this this heart hunger. Well, how do we do that? Well, once we said, once again, to be born again. Because where there's life, there's hunger. But secondly, very important. Make sure you do your part to begin to study the Word of God. You know why? If you taste and see the Lord is good, do you know what you'll want? More. You can't eat just one. Did you know that? I'd rather not eat a cookie rather than to eat one. What about you? I'd rather not eat 
one slice of pizza rather than eat just one. See, my grandmother knew that. Well, when I was growing up, my grandmother, she just, bless her heart, she just loved to watch me eat. She just, grandmas love to watch their grandchildren eat. Did you know that? And she would make, she would make meatballs. And I just loved her meatballs. How many of you know that I just loved her meatballs? I just loved her meatballs. And so she'd come over to the house or I'd go over to her, her apartment. And w- when I went over there, she'd have a jar. If she came over to the house, she'd have a jar with ten meatballs in sauce. Just put that lid on there and just sit it right in front of me. And she turned her back and ten bites later, they were gone. <laughs> and when she came back, I gave her the jar back. It was just all empty. Hey, man. It's just, that's what I did. See, why? Because the moment I had one, I wanted another. I, am I different than you are? If you have, you mean if you sit down to a nice meal, you take one bite and then you just walk away and leave it and just say, well, that, that's the end of that. You're like that, really? Oh, okay. In other words, if you'll begin to taste how good the Word of God is, begin to realize who is the author of this book. Begin to realize the, the riches of the contents of that book. Begin to realize the power that's in that book. Do you see that? Begin to realize the ultimate purpose that lies and that is found within the pages of that book. You'll be enticed to taste. And once you taste, I guarantee you, you get a taste of the good stuff. You're not going to want to go back to the other, to anything else. Did you notice that when the Israelites got into Canaan's land, the land of promise, they had no desire then to go back into Egypt? Did you see that? They tasted. They saw the Lord is good. They wanted more. So how am I going to have that desire within me? Insatiable it should be desire within me. Start, just start realizing who the author of this book is. Start realizing the purpose of the book, the riches of the contents of the book, and you begin to realize this is good. This is good. It's so good. It's so meaningful. My life has changed. It'll never be the same again. And then as you have that desire, God will give more and more and more and more. Number three, third fundamental. Not that they're necessarily in order, but I want to get this in real quick here. Be a doer of the Word of God. Be a doer of the Word of God. In James 1.22, we are told, but be doers of the Word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. This is so important. It has to come out. We must... Commit ourselves to being doers of the Word of God. Why? If we don't do the Word of God, then what ends up happening is this. He gave us the power or the ability to see truth. And we saw the truth. But we became disobedient to the truth. We did not do the truth. We did not walk in the light or the reality of the truth. We walked in darkness, then the Bible says. Well, what happens is if we continue to walk in darkness and refuse to walk in the light of the knowledge of the Word of God that we have, we will lose out with God and eventually we'll lose the power or the ability to see truth. Did you know that? We will lose the ability to see truth. And it's sad to say, but in many circles today, I I see that happening. There are those that once walked in the light of the message of faith in God. Having faith, a strong faith toward God. Walking in the full light of that. And I went to school with them, even at Ramah in Tulsa. But you know what? Many have backed off. Why? 
Because when you don't apply the principles of truth that you have learned to your life and you're disobedient to it, although you saw it at one time, you will lose the power to see truth again. That's what can happen. I've seen it happen in many individuals' lives. They can't even see that truth anymore. But you know what? For me to deny the truth that I have learned through faith teaching and faith ministries, do you know what? It's all right here in the Bible. I would have to deny my children. I would have to deny my wife's healing. Because those were the results. Those things were the results of that type of believing. I cannot do that. I cannot back away from this revelation that I have. Because if I were to back away, then all those things that happened as a result of it would be meaningless. I would no longer be able to, to grow or to walk in that area of light. I would lose that ability to perceive or to see truth that way. We don't want to do that. To whom much is given, much is required. Walk in the light of it, lest that which you have be taken away from you. That's what he meant. The things that you've learned can be taken away. And then we have... We become seared and we don't have the ability to see it once again. I've seen even some major ministries and ministers where they have backed off from the things that they understood and knew to be true for one reason or another. And we can't go by feelings here. We can't go by experience here. I don't believe in existentialism. I believe in the Word of God to be above anything else, above any person's experience. So, so listen. Let's realize that God wants us to be doers of the Word so that we're not deluded. And that's what delusion is. We're self-deceived. We get to the point of self-deception. And when we're self-deceived, it's like we lose the ability to see that clearly any longer. And we can't see that truth. So let's realize our responsibility and duty to do what? To walk in the light of what we have. Because when the light comes and you walk in it, what happens? It gives place for more light to come. We can receive more light. We can receive more revelation. But if we refuse to walk in it, then we're going to shut down. You see, that, that activity between ourselves and the Father God. So let's realize the importance of being a doer of the Word. And then let's, let's look at another one. Number four, be diligent and willing to work hard. Be diligent and willing to work hard. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, God is a rewarder of those that do what? That diligently seek Him. If we want to experience... Growth and development, if we want to experience more reality when it comes to the things that we know about God, then we have got to be diligent, not a sluggard, but we must be diligent to pursue and to seek after these things and their deeper depths. We must be the ones to, to be diligent. We must apply ourselves. God does not reward laziness. God rewards diligence. We've got to see to it that we are diligent to pursue these things because we desire to grow in these things. Not necessarily that they're new revelations, beloved. They're truths that we already have knowledge of. But it's just a deeper understanding and a deeper application of these truths to our lives. It is growing in faith. Our faith can grow exceedingly, the Bible says. One can possess great faith. One can possess weak faith, the Bible says. Different levels of faith, the Bible says. Oh, ye of little faith, Jesus said. Woman, great is thy faith, Jesus said. See, it depends on the individual. It depends on their application. It depends on their diligence. 
And if we are diligent to pursue these things, God then will be diligent to reward us. If there is no reward, there is no diligence. If there is diligence, there is a reward and we'll be rewarded here in this life. How? By experiencing a greater working of God's power in and through our lives. And when that happens, beloved, you have more reality with God in this realm of life. Now, let's, let's show that. Let's prove that out. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, you begin reading at verse 1, read right on through verse 5. Let's, let's go back there and we'll read one of the scriptures to point it out. If we want things to happen, we must apply ourselves and be diligent. We must be a hard worker and we must be willing to work hard. I think we live in a society of everything being instant and everybody wanting everything to happen, you know, instantly and, and always trying to devise another way to make it happen quicker. We don't want microwave ovens. We want microwave microwave ovens. We want to microwave our microwaves so they can go faster. We don't want remote control. We want somebody to push the button. Think about it. That's our society. It's not fast enough to cook it one way, cook it, you know, cook it faster and faster and faster. I mean, and I've heard about this. I don't know it sounds gross to me, and, you know, uh, but I hear they're having drive-through funeral. Drive in and drive out. View and drive out. Sounds disrespectful to me. I, I don't know. Just, but they're trying it out. Uh, what, what's this world coming to? What is mankind coming to? What's happening to us? We want everything done so fast. Well, you know what happens? That spills over in the spiritual realm of life. And spiritual things are not that way. Here in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you'll receive my words, hide my commandment with you, incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, cry after knowledge, lift up your voice for understanding, seek her as silver and search for her as for hid treasures, then you're going to stand up for the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. When? When we become more diligent, when it comes to digging for the things of God, the treasures, the rich, deep treasures of the Word of God, more so than working for what? Worldly riches and treasures. Now, we can, we can relate to that, can't we? How much time and energy and effort do we expend in doing what? Working to provide what is necessary for sustenance, just to, just to live, right? We put a lot of time, effort, and energy, don't we? But when it comes to spiritual things, you know what we want? We want that little button to push. Oh, I'm further down the road spiritually. That's not true. It takes effort. It takes work. It takes diligence. Beloved, we want to set our goals up high, but don't get discouraged along the way. Maintain a right mental and spiritual attitude and continue to look at Jesus. Let him be our example and realize it's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of work. One does not become a, a complete success overnight, even in the realm in which we live. There takes energy, effort, and all kinds of work. I think about those that, that, that are involved in the Olympics and all that, and all the effort and all the expended energy and all that they do for what, what gain? Just to win a gold medal that's going to fade away? How much more should we realize that it's our responsibility and duty to apply ourselves to these things to dig, to search, to research, to do everything we possibly can to apply ourselves in a positive way. Why? So that God can reward us by imparting more of His life and nature to our spirits. More reality. 
of His person and character in and through our lives more power and glory and wisdom. He said, search and seek and dig deep into the Word, and you're going to find some things. And let's, let's once again, support that with Psalms 1. <clears throat> Write these two down. Psalms 1, and also Joshua chapter 1. It doesn't come by pushing a button. How many of you heard of what's going on right now in the, in the body of Christ? Subliminal tapes that are out there. Have you heard of that yet? Maybe I should have said anything. <laughs> if you haven't heard of it yet. But they're out there right now. Just go to bed at night and just put your tape on. It's going to get into your thinking. I don't like anything that plays with the mind. I don't know about you. I don't like anything that plays with the mind. Subliminal thinking. And if you want to... How do I know what they put on that tape? Is, 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 how do I know if I agree with it? If that's going to happen, if that can't possibly happen, how do I know that I agree with it? How do you know that there's not a demon spirit trying to get into your mind, into your thinking by doing something like that. I'm telling you, people will do anything. They'll do anything to get out of work. Anything. Spiritual things don't work that way. Spiritual things work this way. My son, be diligent. Open up the Bible. Meditate in the Word of God. One said it this way. And I think it was pretty good stating it this way. Did you know that one pound of beef, well, just one pound, just one pound of beef, well chewed, digested, and assimilated, will do a whole lot more for you and provide more strength for you than tons of beef just merely glanced at? Did you know that? I'm telling you, it'll do you a whole lot more good. And it'll provide a whole lot more strength. Well, you put that in the spiritual realm. Did you know one truth, well chewed, digested, and assimilated will do more for us and provide more strength for us spiritually than glancing over the whole book of the Bible. The whole Bible. Well, I read 47 chapters today. Just like glancing at beef. Well, the golden arches. No, stop and make a deposit. Fill your tank. And how do we do that? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Verse 1, Psalms 1. Nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law does he meditate day and night. He shall, it's talking about meditating in the law of love and in the word of the living God. But day and night, but day and night, but day and night, it's talking about diligence. How's the kingdom of God operate? But day and night, he plants the word, puts the seed into his heart. By day and night, but day and night, but day and night, but day and night, he takes care of it. And what happens is eventually he's going to produce fruit. And that's what it's saying here. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes expended energy, it takes diligence, it takes a lot from us. But you know what? You're going to reap. We're going to reap rich dividends. It's going to do great things for us. We're going to have the strength that we need, the power that we need with God. Whatever it is that we need to produce fruit, we're going to have it. Why? Because we are diligent in God. We're going to get further on the road. We're going to grow. Our lives are going to have meaning and purpose and destination. We have a goal that we're shooting for. We have high aspirations, but they're found in God and in His Word. We know it's going over the same things over and over again. But how many did you know this? Whenever you go to work, if you have a job, do the same thing probably every day. 
How many have a job that you do the same thing practically every day? Fill out the same reports. I ran a crane. I, I did the same things every day. Pulled cobbles out of the mill. Pull out, put them over there. Put them down. Hot stuff, you know. I ate dirt every day. Up there in that old mill crane. Then a plug setter came along. Had to pick up the plugs. Take it down where they were. Every single day. You get to be a perfectionist at all this. You do it so many times. You're working with 2200 degree you know, pipe. And it's so hot. By the time it gets there, it's about 1500 degrees. And these guys are standing right next to it. And you're running that mill crane. And you've got the responsibility of picking up that big old thing and not hitting them with it. You've got these big old rolls when you change that mill. And they've got to go inside. And just, they've got to be precise. And the guy standing up there saying... You know, and he's so used to doing this, he thinks that you're a perfectionist up there, or you must be a professional, I guess, if you wouldn't be up there. And all I got to do is just slip that thing just the wrong way one time, and he's history. I mean, that's it. Crushed. He's dead. And you get to the point that you're up there, and it's just common. You just do it every single day. You don't realize, I can kill that guy if I just went like that. And you kind of lose sight of that. You guys understand what I'm talking about? That work out there in those places? You take it for granted. You don't realize, you know, what's there. And the potential, what can possibly you know, be done? But because you, you do it over and over again, you see, you get used to it. Beloved, the Word of God must be meditated upon by day and by night. And we must go over it, over it, over it again and again on a day-by-day basis. You do the same thing in the natural realm where you work day by day by day by day by day by day. You just get better in it. We're not going to give some new truths. Some newfounded revelation. You'll find that when you give all that stuff out, somebody's been fasting too long. They've been on such a long fast that went to their head. And all the revelation didn't come from God. Well, I could really meddle right now. But we're running out of time here. I could, I could meddle right now. Because so many believers are so naive when it comes to spiritual things. Oh, that was the, did you hear that? There are not nine manifestations of the Holy Ghost. There's 47. This prophet of God came by and told us all about it. Dear Lord. They go against everything. And of course, they'll, they'll cover it up and butter it up and all that sort of thing. But people are just so taken by that, so drawn into that. Don't look for some new revelation. We have the revelation of the Bible, the Word of God. Pray for God to give you, open up your heart of understanding. And if we'll do this on a day-by-day basis, you do it in natural every day. Like I said, you go to work, do the same thing over and over again. You know what? Read the same scripture over and over again. That's what he's talking about. Meditate the Word by day and night. Jesus bore my sin. Jesus bore my sickness. Jesus carried my pain. Love of God is in me. I don't have to walk in selfishness. I don't have to walk in anger. I don't have to walk in all these different things. I can walk in the love of God. I can walk in the power of the Spirit and begin to say that on a day-by-day basis. Meditate upon that day-by-day just like you do on your job and the things that you do. And you know what? You're going to find your way prosperous. You're going to have good success. That's what he told Joshua back there in Joshua 1, 8 and 9. He said, keep this book of the law inside your mouth and, and, and that way you'll be able to deserve to do it and walk in the light of it. And you'll f- make your way prosperous and you have good success. You'll do wisely in the affairs of life. So let's not get off on these tangents and be distracted from what is truth. Thinking that we have to gain more knowledge, gain more all this here, this here kind of knowledge, facts of knowledge, accumulate all these different facts. Realize this. Open up your heart to God. Be diligent. Be, have a heart hunger for the Word of God. Open yourself up to the Father God and say, Here I am, Father. Here I am. Take my life. Here's the reason why many have not experienced growth in, rea- in, re- in the reality of God. You know why? They've not se- taken themselves aside and said, I surrender. And this is one. Write it down. We won't get into it, but just write it down. I surrender myself to the will of God. In John 7, 17, what did Jesus say? He says, if a man will to do my will, the Father's will, he'll know the doctrine of God. 
He'll have insight into the things of God. Father, I surrender my will to your command, to to your guidance, to your direction. I give myself to do your will. I am alive for you. I live for you. Now mold me, shape me, form me into what you want me to be, that I will be the person who will walk pleasing to you in this realm of life. Here I am, Lord. I surrender myself to do your will. Now impart the doctrine into my spirit and cause the reality to be acquired in my life. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.